stop, listen, and ask yourself, have you ever pondered at the idea that there may be something to the other side? If so, and you're hearing my voice for the first time, then you may have just fallen into the void. Hey, and welcome to episode two of Into the Void, where we talk about anything and everything paranormal. I'm your host with the most, G-Man. Alongside me is my awesome co-host, The Mystic. So listen, uh, we just want to let you guys know that we're here to talk about about something very real, very real that's happened to us in the past. We mentioned this in the last episode, which is we're here to talk about our very own personal experiences with the paranormal. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to interview one another. For this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Mystic, and then for the next episode, Mystic is going to be interviewing me. So in this episode, we want to give you, the listener, our own personal experiences with the paranormal. Uh, We would like to warn you now, though, that what we're about to tell you is 100% the truth. Nothing is made up. There is no script here. This is just us telling you exactly everything that has happened to us when it comes to the paranormal. Just pure paranormal experiences shared here and now. So without further ado, Mystic, let's get right into it. Is there anything you want to tell us first before we, we jump right into this? My stories may not be as fantastical as yours. Fantastical. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Well, remember, we're not we're not looking for like you know who's got the better no, story. I don't. I'm just I'm just being silly. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So, without further ado, we shall interview the mystic. So, mystic, you told me that you had your own personal experiences with the paranormal things that have happened to you. I'm trying to recall whether you said it was pretty dramatic or if it was you know kind of mellow tone. Um, I wouldn't say mellow. Every experience is different from the rest. Some are climax at, ooh, what was that noise? Where others, no one will ever believe what I just saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the one of the absolute beauties of the field is having those stories that no one will outright believe you until they hear it from you enough times with enough conviction. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, when did you When did you first become interested in the paranormal? That took hold. As a young kid, as a young kid in our old house we used to live in, uh, my great-grandmother used to own that house. And she passed away, ironically enough, or coincidentally enough, in the room that became my personal bedroom. Growing up, I was constantly having experiences of getting, like, poked in the middle of the night at random. I I was constantly up waking up my parents like, there's something in my room, there's someone in my room, but there never was. Kind of cool to have a house ghost. She was a prankster. Not over-the-top dangerous pranks, but little things to make people laugh. Uh, So April Fool's Day was her big holiday. When she had passed, it was a thing where April Fool's Day, if you smelled rose perfume, because that's what she wore. We did have a lively rose bush in the front, but the front windows were never really open because of all the bugs and the bees. So when you would hear, or when you would smell the rose perfume, the rule of thumb is something's going to happen. Something will just be moved ever so slightly. You'll never see it. No one ever caught it happening. It just happened and you stumbled upon it. So that was that was cool. I don't think it actually took a strong hold until I was much, much older, maybe late high school career. Growing up, I had, I had always had an interest. And in some of my parents would buy me books on different kinds of ghosts, different kinds of hauntings. You said your parents bought you books? Yeah, which is funny because... They were super Catholic, but I think the only reason I got got away with it is because my father 
I don't remember if he was actually licensed, but he was granted authority to do minor ex- exorcisms through the church. Oh, wow. Their understanding is, I assume it to be, was I was following in, his, in my father's footsteps. To a degree, they weren't wrong. Or at least I'm not clergyman through the archdiocese. Right. So I can't actually do sanctioned exorcisms. And that'll be a story I'll tell in this episode. Because that's a really interesting one. That's that's crazy. Wow. So your parents bought you books on paranormal and, and ghosts and, hunt, and hunting, or just just paranormal? It was like three books. They were all they were all by the same author. Um, but one book was like a documentation of well known hauntings throughout the 1700s up until like the early 20th century. And then another book was different kinds of hauntings where you have residuals, you have intelligence, you you have poltergeist activity, demonic activity, things like that, and how to identify that. And then the other one, types of ghosts or types of entities, I guess we could more correctly express that, where you get shadow figures, grim, different kinds of uh, sprites and things of that kind of nature. So it was really interesting. And then once I got old enough to really understand and make my own opinion on things, especially concerning like I stand on the whole subject, I think is when that really took a firm hold in my life. Oh man, that's insane. Have you yourself experienced anything that has ever terrified you? Outright terror. I think I only have one home by myself and the atmosphere became dark and when i say that i mean it was all really dimly lit i was the only one up at home basically what happened is without me actually noticing it any and all light in the room basically was just instead of bleeding out into the whole room stopped at like the foot of my bed like my desk lamp and then whatever cone of light that made like that was the only light in the room right i know i wasn't hallucinating that because the biggest the biggest way to debunk that was the bedroom that my brother and I share, we have one singular window. And from my side of the room, you can see the uh, street light on the street behind us. You couldn't see that that night. That was just not there. And that's, and that's always on. Street lights are always on. Ooh. But there's, that was not there. But even if that light was off, like it had the lamp had burned out or there was a power outage, you can still make out in the dim light our street lights, the silhouette of our neighbor's house which was also non-existent. Whoa. Okay. So I had noticed the change in light in my room because I had turned around either to go get water or use the restroom, I don't remember. But then I become aware that the light has a definite end at the foot of my bed. Beyond that is darkness. Then it gets super, super cold, but there's no condensation of my breath. That in and itself was weird. And then all I remember is... The cold centering, like the center of my chest, was the most, where the most cold was felt. And then there was just, that's when terror was onset. It was just cascading and heavy and sudden. Just this recurring image of a really old hag-like face, wrinkled and contorted in some kind of weird, I wouldn't call it anger, malice, or hate. I mean, there it was that was there, obviously, because it's attacking me. But it was more just that was just its face, whatever it was. I don't know what it was. I don't have a name for it. Never found it out. But it, it had a hold of me, and it was, I would say that would be my first and only real experience with quote-unquote sleep paralysis, but I wasn't asleep. 
and I wasn't lying down. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I guess we can just call that regular paralysis because I was just I was just at my desk and I just couldn't move. I could like get my phone and text people. So I was texting like-minded people, going like, "This is what I'm experiencing. This is what's going on." I had a friend of mine who's capable of what's called remote viewing, basically telling me like, "There's something really not okay in your home. It doesn't know you. It doesn't know your family. It's just there. Get rid of it." As soon as you can, as soon as you have the capability to do so. It was a five, ten minute struggle of, not a physical struggle, it was more of like a struggle of will to anyone else who's ever experienced this or wants to become a hunter. It is a constant battle of will. It is your will versus the will of whatever, whatever, whatever is in your direct vicinity. Once that was over, it left. I don't know where it went. I didn't have a fuck to give it. Yeah, no one ever knows where they go after that. Yeah. Um, just recovering from that was not a physical exhaustion, more of an emotional one. Slammed with that kind of terror that's not, that wasn't really your own because you, I had nothing really to be afraid of. This thing just entered my house and decided I was going to be the one. But I think that would be the one experience that has given me unadulterated terror. I mean, every experience you get little bit of fear because something's happening that you can't see what the source is you can't identify what what your issue is you're kind of just it's happening like please don't hurt me (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i know that feeling kind of thing man oh man that's insane this the the entity that was that was around you during that time i mean would you say that you felt more scared or more comfortable or did you get used to it being around or never really came back okay it kind of just wandered off into the ether once it realized like it wasn't i wasn't going to succumb to it like it just ventured off never came back Hmm. i don't know if someone else had caught it or it caught something else did you get rid of it or did it just go away well yes and no I didn't do like like what can you tell people that are really, afraid of the supernatural? Kind of like, the Randomly, someone can yeah. and I'm freaking out because I have to go. What yeah. would you tell kind of someone to ease, ease their mind about stuff like this? Was no longer there, the more you show you're afraid, the more power you give. Stuff it. like that. Yeah. It's the biggest. And I haven't had a chance to tell people not to be afraid. Right? Yeah. That's just not how humans work. Whatever we can't rationalize, whatever is unknown to us is instantly terrifying. So what I would say to other people is if you've got something or you're experiencing weird anomalous things, don't be so much afraid of it as be in awe of it. Be in awe of it. You know, don't be afraid to be not afraid. Fear is the first instinct that we as humans go to when facing an adversary we can't identify, therefore we can't defeat. It's just the prey-predator instinct that we have going on if there's a bigger fish in the pond we need to move for that i have a story that's the the one exorcism i've actually not been a part of but was in the presence of oh wow and that i was 10 maybe oh wow 10 11 maybe we had a family friend who was talking to my parents more so my dad um, about just weird happenings going on in the house, people getting shoved, people getting, I think people, a couple people in the house got scratched. Um, what I do remember is that it was described as, as it moved through people or came into people, they became aggressive where aggression isn't the usual MO for them. So my dad went and looked. They actually had, and I wish I, I wish my dad had kept that photo, 
but the husband was trying to sell an RV or a boat, or there was a, a big vehicle in the picture they were trying to get rid of. But in between the truck and then the bigger vehicle in question, there's an ever so translucent apparition of a man in his late 50s, early 60s, standing about six foot five, you know, in a white t shirt and blue jean overalls with a straw hat on. And my dad's like, okay, now that there's this person in the picture, you need to go and see the history of the land that your house lives on because that will define what goes on after. So in the research, they came to find out that the land that the house is part of, of a much larger former farm where man in question died a horrendous death uh, in a equipment accident. I don't remember what it was, but he did die a violent, albeit accidental death with farming equipment, so I think he was just really upset at that. So, come the night of the exorcism, it's interesting, to say the least. That play with light that I had described in my previous story was rampant throughout the house. Throughout the house. Oh, and let me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. So, the house layout is kind of... It's kind of like mine, where it's the kitchen in between two living rooms, a small dining dining area, and then the actual living quarters is a hallway down the other side of the house. That's how their house, it's kind of laid out like mine. So myself, my mother, and the family friend are in the dining area. The husband and the, and the one child that was living with them, they're an adult, but the one child, the one of their children that was living with them was out. So we're in the dining area. Dining area and kitchen is lit. There is no light bleeding off into either the TV room or the actual parlor. Okay, the parlor is open. It has its own light sources, but if no one's in there, no one's using the light. Okay, so whatever light that should have been bleeding off from the open dining area into that room, non-existent, complete darkness. The TV room has its own little door from the kitchen to go in, but then there's also like a buster's window in the kitchen that connects that kitchen to the TV room. There's two big portals where light should be able to go through. There was no there was no glare off the TV. I couldn't see the recliners, the sofa, the portraits that were hanging on the wall. Nothing. There wasn't a total absence of light, but I could make out small segments of silhouettes of maybe that's a picture hanging on the wall. Maybe that's one of the sofas. Maybe that's a TV. You know, maybe that's one of the potted plants or a lamp. The most eerie thing that happened was the house breathing. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 <sighs> not, not like that. Not, there wasn't a sound of breath. More so, you can hear the house just expanding and contracting on itself. Ooh. So, like, yeah. the creaking noises would increase and decrease? Yeah, like, if you've ever been to an old house, an old wooden home, where, like, there's just a gradual temperature fluctuation throughout the day yeah you, you can hear those creaks okay this was happening within minutes of just expansion and contraction you can just hear the house just just in and in and out on its own you couldn't see it although i swore if i stared hard enough i probably could and the the funny thing is, is i was the only one looking at it that it wasn't the temperature fluctuation because this was this was nine ten o'clock at night the the atmosphere is cold it shouldn't be it shouldn't still be creaking it wasn't hot that day okay so the wood didn't expand because it's an old home it's an old home much like ours it just the atmospherics did not allow really for that 
amount of continuous and dramatic creaking. So that's all I experienced with that. I did ask my dad a couple years later, because he seemed pretty shooken up about it, when everything was all said and done, not that I blame him. His testimony isn't going to be verbatim. This is going to be my summation of it. But he basically said that whatever room he was in trying to work on, like, it obviously followed. And he goes, there was things that would just shift ever so slightly. If I was looking at it, it would just do that. He goes, the cliche happened in the children in the in the child's room. That child has a child. Okay, so there's a grandchild now. So in the grandchild's room, all the toys, whether it had batteries or not, would animate. Would animate. He goes, it would it would try to speak. It would speak in. He goes, I understood only a little bit of it because some of it was in Latin, and my dad was really well learned in Latin. Um, so he goes, I understood some of it, paid none, paid attention to none of it. Because he goes, as soon as you start listening, it's got you. He goes, that's what, he goes, I don't have a name for it. I don't want to repeat its name for it. I'm not going to give you its name. Okay. But just know that if it, he goes, he goes, if it caught, if it caught you listening, you were done. That was it. That's all it needs to get into you. Yeah. So there was that. Um, let's see. Uh, is there anything more to that? Not really. Not really. Um, they, they, they stopped complaining about what was going on maybe about a day after. Mm-hmm. Like, it was once it was over and said and done, it was done. Um, but then, for whatever reason, we just haven't heard from that friend again, so... That's insane. Who knows, who knows That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, would, you, would you say that when, when doing something like this, would you compare it, like, would you say it's just like how the movies portray it, or is it completely different from, like... Let's say the exorcism, you know, uh, you're watching a priest uh, perform an exorcism and he's there for like, you know, days and days on end trying to get this demon out of this child. Um, Would you say it's something like that where it becomes a little dramatic in a way or is it pretty much just like a a pop up here and a pop up there? Um, I can't. I can't outright say that the movies portray it right because I didn't live it. I didn't live it. I was a bystander. I was in the, I was in the dining area the whole night. Um, of my personal experiences with cleansings, oh, we'll, we'll tell, I'll tell that story. Um, sorry if you're wondering why I'll, why I'll sometimes say we is just that's that's just the way my brain is wired. Is, I know, is sometimes I'll speak in the third person. Yeah, that's why. Um. But I wouldn't say I did a cleansing, but it's it's a friend of mine a friend of mine had been saying that there's just activity in the home. Right. And I go, Okay, well has it has it tried hurting you? Has it tried hurting your dad, your stepmom, has it broken anything in the house? And they're like, No, it's just it's there, it just will mess with things throughout the day, gets really active at night, especially if I'm home alone. I go okay. Well, probably it's just a, it's just a trickster. It's just a trickster that just you have a lot of shit in your house, and it's usually just you home alone. If it were me, I'd do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's probably the most aside from the ghost car is probably the the two most experiences that I could say that the where the movies kind of get it right. Um, because with in the sense of my friend's house is I went over to hang out 
um, and then partially to see what was actually going on. And so they greet me at the door, and sure enough, there's just this presence that just instantly just slides into frame behind them. And just I can just feel it dogging me, like, who the hell are you? What the hell are you doing in my house? And I'm like, well, it's not your house, because my understanding is you just came in out of nowhere, and you just haven't left, you freaking mooch. Um, so they let me in, and as soon as I crossed the threshold in the house, like, the space it was occupying was the living room, and then it vacated. And I knew it vacated because I heard that the house contract on itself again. And that's an old house. That's an old house, and it was the middle of the day. So, that being said, the house shouldn't be creaking like that. Okay, creaking only happens at, in early morning and in twilight where the temperatures increase, the wood expands, and then at night when temperatures decrease, the wood contracts on itself. That's where you, those are when you get the creaks. This was in the middle of the day. It was like 1.30 in the morning, in the mm. afternoon. Um, so they gave me a tour of the house, and um, they take me to the one room that's uh, where it likes to chill, and it's the dad's office. The dad doesn't believe, the, da- the dad's not sensitive to anything, so he, he just thinks it's just the ravings of a crazy child. But sure enough, like, I get there and there's just, like, this electricity in the air. Like, physically, just inside, just isolated inside that room. Like, it, the only time you get that outside is wherever it wants to be in the house. That room will have that same... Electrify, electrifying feeling um, uh, so that's that's where the movie gets it right in the sense of it's the small little things it's not the big I'm warping the house to attack you like the haunting with Liam Neeson or it's not as dramatic as a child's head spinning around like the actual exorcist right yeah um, but the small it's the small little um Things moving, the house making weird noises when it really shouldn't be, um, strange sensations, strange feelings, that sort of stuff. Um, with the ghost car, like, had there been an action sequence playing in the background, that would have been the only way that situation would have been better. Um, is there is like a Mission Impossible type song playing in the background? As I am in my girlfriend's car at the time with two friends in the back, coming down the Whittier side of Turbo Canyon trying to outrun this, well, not outrun this thing, but trying to get back. So the way, what happened with that is we were hanging out with friends. We decided, we've been at home all day, let's go for a drive. It's the evening, it's nice out. We ended up going, Trump County is that way. Uh, we ended up going up to Skyline, the very top of Turnbull, right before it goes into Hacienda. And instead of going into Hacienda like normal people, we went left where there's no light. There's no light anywhere, uh, except the homes, but the homes are, like, up on hills into the mountainside. So, uh, friends like my, one of the friends in the cars was like, I know this area, if we get lost, like, I have friends up here, if I find a landmark, a certain landmark, we, I can navigate it. So, I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So, it's really windy, the only source of light is the headlights, okay? It's absolute darkness, okay, like... A complete void of light, aside from my headlights, or from the headlights of the car. Um, so we we follow the road straight, or as straight as it can go because it was whining. Made a couple of turns, and then we come up on the sharp left to go back up. 
and then we come across this area that just didn't feel right. Okay, so the area is chain link fence standing about 10, 11 feet tall with barbed wire at the top. Okay, what was weird is the floodlights were facing in and not out onto the street. Yeah, floodlights were facing in. Mm. So from what from what we can from what, what we could see um, is there's the fence and then it's just the mountainside with sporadic trees and then there's just a small black wrought iron gate. And I go, no, I know what this is. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm gone. So we all kind of low-key start freaking out because we all know the legends and we're like, we're not about that right now. So we... We get, I wouldn't say lost, but we get kind of turned around in our frantic state and the fact that it was dark, but we eventually find our way back up to Skyline Drive and then made the right to come back on the Whittier side. So as we're coming down, um, you know those three really big hairpins before it kind of curves out into Beverly? So we come down the first and the second hairpin. The last hairpin is that right is that right open hairpin and then it comes into the little curvy road before it hits residential? Yeah, okay. I am well aware of that. Yeah. Okay, so that last hairpin, um, on the hairpin above it, the left one, um, I see headlights that are kind of taking the corners relatively quick. So I'm thinking it's maybe just one of the dudes that like to try, try and drift the canyon. People do that. People also die doing that. Um, and that was one of those people. So I literally blinked. I literally just blinked hmm. and the lights went from the second hairpin to riding my ass. Oh man. Okay. I blinked like that. Okay. And I'm going, where the hell did this guy come from? And why the hell are you so close to me? Like if you want to pass me, there's, it's just us on the road. dude. go sideways and go. That's what it did. There's no one driving this car. You saw inside that yeah, there was no I, one driving. I physically, because I don't like it when people tailgate, Already, okay. Yeah, that's the worst. Okay, I, it's not my car; it's my girlfriend's car. I have my girlfriend next to me, and two friends behind me. Okay, I'm. I don't want to be liable for loss of life if something happens. So I'm getting mad. I'm trying to just drive normally and hoping this dude just drops left and takes off. And so when it did, I was gonna flip it off, flip whoever off who was ever in the car. And I'll never forget it because that's how intense of a situation it was. It moved sideways in a way that a car doesn't. Because when I know, I know if you've been behind the wheel in a race car, when someone tailgates you, the nose will move slightly forward, slowly, right. and then the car follows. No, it just literally just went perpendicular sideways and then shot. Whoa. Okay, to my left. I'll never forget the car. It was a late 90s early 2000s fox body mustang dark emerald green with blue lights emanating from the dash okay these are bright blue led lights there was no reflections of hands on the steering wheel there's no reflection of an upper body or a face behind the driver's wheel it's a completely vacant car I mean, it wasn't like there were any tinted windows or I mean, anything like that? I mean, the, win the windows were tinted, but the lights were bright enough to where you could make out a face if a face was there to make out. Yeah. Okay. There was nothing. Like, the steering wheel was even moving on its own. 
That's the I'm I I can get all three people on the phone right now to vouch for that. Um, <clears throat> and so I just immediately just the color went away from my face. There was just I know there was a dumb look of shock on my face, um, but I'm just wide eyed gaping as this car just shoots sideways with no driver and just takes off. Now. It takes off, but I'm able to keep an eye on it. You know how it curves, and then it straightens out into Beverly Boulevard, and then the first big street, I think, is um, Friends coming down Beverly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it's Friends or Comstock. No, Some, Comstock's Com, No, it's no, Friends. Yeah, Friends. Friends. So once the road actually straightens out and hits residential area, um, I'm... Maybe 10 car lengths. <laughs> Let's fade to nothing. Oh, man. The card fades to absolute nothingness. And we all saw it. We were just like, what the hell was that? This car had no driver. It shot in front of us. And then, um, like an episode of Supernatural, it just drove away into the night. And then it literally just dissipated into nothing. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Anyone in Whittier listening, I highly recommend Turbo Canyon if you want. Yes, definitely. Any form, of, yeah. any form of paranormal Just be careful because there are, you know, police do go up and down there. So you don't want to get anybody pissed off at yeah, you. for don't go, don't go at night and there are people with lots of money that have their backyards overlooked that yeah. canyon. So. But still, I mean, for something like that to happen to you and to be able to, you know, uh, share it here, that's that's insane and amazing all at the same time. I mean, the only, wow. The only other experience I had in the canyon... Um, I was on a small hike with another friend of mine and there's the main fire road that people hike on. And then at the very end, there's two forks. So one fork is a bike trail that head, that cuts right and then follows Trumbull Canyon road more or less. Okay. And then it's the, and then. Um, it's a little further up. It splits left to go up to the water tower and then um, straight, I think, just leads you further into the canyon. So we decided to go to that first fork and hang right and hug the um, the cliffside where the road was. Uh, nothing really happened. Uh, we were more kind of just taking in the greenery. Like, it just it was an amount of greenery that we hadn't seen prior in the canyon since there's no real river system that runs through the canyon anymore um and it's mostly arid or like desert brush this was really really green these were green trees the grass was like it's been fed and watered regularly there were there what was strange now that i look at it now that i look upon it is that there were animal sounds where no animals were present no animals really live there, small from, aside from spiders, small birds, and squirrels. But, I mean, I was hearing birds, bird calls that didn't sound native to Southern California. I was hearing rustling in the brushes of animals the size of small dogs that I know don't live in that canyon. Okay, coyotes live up in the hills. They don't come down until it's night. Okay. Um, there's no deer. Uh, there's no... The, the only real fauna... And the canyon is like spiders, squirrels, small birds, stuff like that. But we were hearing, we didn't pay any attention to it because it just seemed to fit. It just seemed to fit the atmosphere. So we kept walking, kept walking, and then the greenery just stops. 
like it just ends. And then any and all noise associated, like the bird calls, the rustling in the brush, um, even the, I, and I still remember the vague, vague sound of a small creek trickling in the distance, and I, and I know no such a creek exists in Terminal Canyon anymore. That, that's been dried up for years. Uh, so we get, and then it's just back to the arid dirt road with the desert brush, trees that don't have no leaves. You know, the only bird you really see is flying from one tree to another, but not making any noise. But then, but it, what it's it's also like there is just no noise to be made. Like the only noise is the footsteps on the dirt and then whatever conversation we were having aside from that the air was absolutely still man the air was absolutely stagnant then then we come across another segment of green and we're like okay that's kind of where there's only this one dead spot um so we walk and walk and walk and in the greenery it kind of makes a canopy with the trees a little bit so we're walking and then it curves uh, it curves to the right slightly and then goes up. Uh, so right before the curb, I stop because there's like a physical force that's not letting me move forward at all. I could move maybe three, four steps, and then it's like an absolute wall that I can't touch, but it's at my chest. Like it, like if someone had their hands on my chest... Um, like a lineman in football, when you when you hold the chest pads to stop them from advancing, it was kind of like that. Um, I couldn't swat at anything because there was nothing to swat. And then when I tried to like feel physically, like if there was some kind of mime wall that I couldn't see that I was inside of, and nothing, and my friend was just like, I don't experience it. I'm not experiencing that. So um, they said, well. I'm gonna, would you be okay? I'm just gonna like run up five minutes just to see what's there, if something's causing it, and then I'm just gonna run back. I'm like, all right, go. So they disappear through the curb, through the curve, sorry. Um, and then it felt like an eternity. And then what happens, what happens, um, uh, reminds me if anyone has seen the first Lord of the Rings movie where. Frodo's being chased by ring rays and they're on the they're on the dirt road and then it starts doing this where it just forever elongates no matter how fast you run you can never oh yeah it's it's like that dream where no matter how fast fast you run the door just keeps getting farther and farther away okay I was standing still and that was happening and I could see physically dirt and earth just manifesting as it's just expanding around me okay the trees were just replicating to make this forever infinite hallway of uh, shrubbery and dirt road. It was friggin' insane. It was insane. Um, the, the presence was constant, constantly on my chest. Um, if I was standing still, if I was walking away from that curve in the road back the way we came, that would dissipate, but it was still just replicating and replicating yeah. and replicating and replicating mind you i was sober the whole time okay just saying that sober the whole time um so then i hear footsteps as my friend coming back and then as rapidly as expanded it just crashed in back into just the little area that we were in my friend goes 
there's a tree that's on its side. And I go, okay, did someone cut it down? He goes, no. It's almost like it uprooted itself and died falling over. I go, okay, well, what impression did you get? And he goes, something bad happened there. And so whatever is not letting you go past is doesn't want you to be there for whatever reason. He goes, but I got that same feeling. Once I got into the vicinity of the tree, I couldn't physically touch the tree. Mm. Because that force, he goes, within a car's length, I was getting the same restriction where I couldn't physically go touch the tree. I could just look at it. And I just got this, he goes, I got this sensation that someone died violently was murdered there. And I go, that's believable because this is a dumping ground. You know, there's there's the local gangs that use this as their dumping ground. There's reports of cult activity that use human sacrifice. Um, this, and then it used to be a battleground back when this was still, when this still belonged to the natives. When the Spanish came to conquer, that was all a battleground and that actually makes sense because the other story for that is the drums I told you about yeah, way back right. when is, uh, there right. was, a, was a house party we went to go we went for a beer run and went to the local Circle K and Circle K didn't have anything anyone wanted so we were walking back or I walked back because they were going to go to Walmart I was walking back to the house party and there's just this and I'm going, someone's having a banging house party, but there ain't no lights on. Everyone's asleep right now. It's going to be 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. Um, and as I'm getting, um, this is uh, the Circle K, right? Here at uh, Pickering and uh, Beverly. I can never remember the name of the streets for some reason. I used to I, live here, for crying out loud. I don't live here, and I know all the streets, <laughs> but do you know where... Um, where that Circle K was before we made the right onto Greenlee? Oh, uh, yes, yes. Okay, so okay. I'm going up Pickering up into the residential area, and um, it's kind of like a hill. So at the top of the hill is the intersection of Pickering and Floral, right? So at that intersection is when the do-do-do-do-do-do was at its loudest. It never changed tempo. It never changed rhythm. It just increased in volume, right? The freaky part is, is I couldn't find a home that was playing music. There was no cars that had anyone in them to play music loud enough. So I'm kind of just starting to just write it off as I'm reminiscing an episode of something I saw. So then I make the right, I mean the left, onto floral to go back to the apartment. And it stops just as if the conductor went this. And just the music stopped. And I go, okay, that's a little too coincidental. So I walk back. Sure enough, I made that right back onto Pickering to come down towards Circle K. And three steps into that turn, as if it never stopped. Do 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 Just as again, as if as if it never was made to stop or anything. And I did that three times. And every time I rounded the corner, it stopped and started every single time. So I went and I did my research and I actually found out that that area was actually the site of a really bloody battle between the natives and the conquistadors. And I go, okay, so it was war drums is what I was hearing. Cool. Cool. Jeez. Yeah. That's insane. My God. Um, I got That's time for, a, I got, I got enough time for a quick Queen Mary story. 
Um, we're going to actually, what we're going to do is oh, we're going to okay. cut it off right here. But when we come back um, for the next episode, let's do that because I actually have my own story about the Queen Mary um, and my own personal experience on there. And I will tell you that uh, j- even just thinking about it now, it still gives me goosebumps um, because it was very, very unexplainable as to why I was feeling that emotion during that time. There's a, I, I feel like there's a reason, but then there's not a reason at the same time. Right. It's, that's weird, I know. But anywho. No, no, I, I get that because I get that a lot, especially with the random occur- encounters that I have is like, uh, I don't know. I it's 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 not something I can put to words easily, but it's a, it's something I can relate to. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a it's a feeling that you can't explain, like you can explain it, and then you can't explain it at the yeah. same time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really yeah, strange. That's insane, man. I can't believe all that has happened to you, and and here you are still kicking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, uh, we're gonna end it right here. Uh, we want to thank you all very much for uh, taking the time to listen to. Uh, Mystic's uh, stories about his personal experiences in the paranormal. Uh, next episode, you'll be hearing my own personal experiences. Uh, Mystic's going to be interviewing me, and uh, I'm still dreading having to talk about my own experiences too. But at because the same time, I will ask the questions he refuses to ask me, <laughs> and he this knows. Is true. And he knows that my questions will really potent proc at the deep and dark because that's just i love asking questions like that because it gets people to think oh yeah definitely i love every second of that um last but not least let's just thank uh under city comics for letting us use their studio uh renee thank you so much for handling all the sound engineer i love your black panther shirt by the way oh, that is that is awesome uh also guys be sure to if you if you get a chance come out to whittier california check out Undercity comics they've got a whole mess of comics they've got all these displays of different action figures and uh, different memorabilia that you can come here and buy and, and enjoy. Um, you know, this place is by far still one of the best stores I've ever been into when it comes to comic book stores. Uh, just want to let you guys know they're not a sponsor for us. We just like to plug them in because they are allowing us to use their studio. And uh, I personally feel like this store is uh, one of the best stores I've ever been, been into. So, anywho, I am the G-Man. And I'm the Mystic. And we want to thank you so much. We'll catch you later, and we'll see you next time. Into the Boy.